You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. After six decades of communist rule, widespread demonstrations have swept Cuba, triggered by the government's handling of price inflation and the COVID-19 pandemic. In this episode, Cuban-American entertainers and activists Gloria and Emilio Estefan join Washington Post Live to talk about their recent meeting with the Biden administration and where this moment fits in the country's history. Let's listen. Good afternoon and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Arelis Hernandez, a reporter with the Washington Post, and today we're going to talk about Cuba. It's my pleasure to welcome Gloria and Emilio Estefan for their perspective on the unrest in Cuba and the country's future. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Arelis. And it's a pleasure. I see you're in San Antonio, Texas, which is where I learned English. I went to Winston Elementary School there. My sister was born there. So I have a lot of beautiful ties to San Antonio. That's amazing. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Yes. My Um, beautiful Emilio is here as well. Hello. How are you? Good, good. We have so much to talk about, so let's let, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I wanted to start by talking about the current administration's uh, policy towards Cuba. I know that both of you have been involved in working with the Biden administration on uh, figuring out what to do here with regards to Cuba. And Emilio, I believe you were on a call on Friday with the administration. I was wondering what you can tell us about those conversations and what the administration is is planning to do or is doing. Well, before a week before, we got on a call with everybody from the staff, and then Friday we were with him in the White House. And I was so happy because it's so so good to have the president of the United States in front of you and just explain a lot of things that probably he knows, but I think he felt the, the honesty. I mean, 62 years that you know that we have a dictators in Cuba, and for the first time, because the internet really showing all the pain and everything that happens, that has been happening for 62 years, but right now, I mean, it's an incredible moment because people get to see the real truth about the, the, the abuse and everything that has been happening in Cuba for so many years. And for the first time, people don't ask him for food or anything. They just ask him for freedom. I think he captured that. I mentioned how lucky I was to be there in front of him. And, uh, and some people make, you know, the decisions that can totally make the whole difference. I mean, in Cuba was a guy that came as a dictator that ruined so many people's lives in so many countries. And his position now, of course, you know, he he can leave a legacy of freedom, a legacy of, you know, hope to the people. And uh, it was a fantastic meeting. I really appreciate that he took the time, his staff. And, when, and we got some great news uh, yesterday about uh, the Gloria's going to tell you now, but it's some of the great news from the, from, so, from the Senate. And so um, we're extremely happy. I think the meeting was very accomplished. It's, even, it's a lot more to do than me. And, and it was a great day. So, Gloria, are we breaking news here? What's your good news to share? No, no, I I think you have the news. The fact that uh, the Senate uh, passed uh, unanimously a bill uh, naming Diaz-Canel as a guilty party and the repressions taking place in Cuba and, uh, you know, joining the chorus of voices all over the world saying that this is unacceptable, what's happening there, asking for the unconditional release of the missing people. There are some say 400, now it's closer to 700 people are missing, either dead, we don't know, imprisoned or being held against their will and without allowing families to to talk to them or to see them. Um, 
asking for the release of, of those prisoners and political prisoners, asking obviously for free elections, which they claim to have, but it's a one person that you can vote for. There's no free elections in Cuba. And, uh, you know, that's a, a very big step, that it was unanimous. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's so hard. We're so frustrated, all right? Uh, Cuban exiles, and no matter what your political bent, we wish we could do so much more. But this has to come from the people of Cuba. They have to continue to raise their voices, uh, even though they're taking these repressive measures. Obviously, the more and more people join, the more difficult it's going to be for them to control those masses. And uh, I would exhort, and I've been trying to say it because who knows what they're hearing from us over here, but it's important that we raise our voices and let them know that they're not alone, that we're trying to amplify their voices, uh, the dissidents within Cuba and the people that are protesting. And uh, it would be great if the police and the army, the people that are in there, uh, would realize that in the long run, there is no future for this dictatorship. They're going to go down, and their job is to protect the Cuban people, even though for decades it's been to do the, the dirty work of the Cuban government. And I think that it'll help a lot if the people that are in the army and in the police start realizing what's going on and start protecting the people. They're the ones with the power. They have the arms. They have, um, you know, the bully pulpit. And uh, it would be great if they supported the Cuban people. I, I don't see any other way for things to change otherwise, because the repressive measures are so great. Well, since you brought up the, the detainees and amplifying their voices, we know that the Biden administration has been finding, trying to find a way to, to give internet access to folks on the island. Um, how are they proposing to do that? Have they shared that with you all? They have not shared exactly, have they, babe? Well, they're working. They're working really hard. I mean, the main thing is I think they're going to they have to use a lot of new technology. I mean, internet is key. That, that's the worst enemy of, the, the, of Cuba because, you know, people are seeing what really happened for 62 years. And you know something? This is not even political. This is human. I mean, what you see there, I told him, 90 miles away from the United States, and, you know, people have so much of, of oppression, and the kids, I mean, it's incredible what they're doing to the, to the Cuban people. And uh, I think, you know, realistically, this is a perfect moment to show the world everything that is happening in Cuba. Of course, you know, when you deal with the communists, it's, it's only one way, their way or, or no way. I think I'm, I'm glad that, you know, that, that he took the time. He took a long time with his people. But we need a, a lot more attention. I think, you know, something I was so happy about the, what they passed yesterday because this is not political. We're not associated. We don't believe in parties. I mean, I tell people a thousand times, you know, something where I, I produce so many events in the White House and I work for so many presidents, Republicans and Democrats. And I feel this is a human situation that we need help from the from everybody to be sure that, you know, to fix the problem that we have so close to the United States. I mean, my mom teach me, you know, to love Cuba, never forget Cuba. But, you know, we're American citizens and we love this country and we're so lucky to live in a country that all our dreams, uh, I mean, came true. I mean, I told him when I got the Medal of Freedom, me and Gloria, it was an incredible moment to realize it was not about me and Gloria. It was bringing hope to people. A lot of the people in Cuba and a lot of the people in the United States looking for this opportunity and freedom. And I think this is the time that, you know, we're getting close to that. Um, and I'm so glad we try to do as much as we can to help, but we need support from other countries to be sure that they, you know, they punish that they, everything is happening in Cuba right now. 
Well, so on that note, is it about fixing things in Cuba or bringing about new leadership or governance? What is it that you all want to see in Cuba? I don't think it's fixing. That government yeah. is a repressive, yeah. violent dictatorship and regime. And I am sure that there are amazing leaders within Cuba that have tried for years. You, you saw uh, Oswaldo Payá, who mysteriously died in an accident. Somehow everyone that has some kind of begins to grow some kind of clout with the people, disappears. Uh, mysteriously, seven generals have died in the last three weeks. Statistically, I don't know if that's a possibility. Uh, they haven't said if it was from COVID. They haven't said from what they've died. Who knows what's going on internally there? Uh, there's got to be some upheaval. But that government itself, I mean, they need to... It would be great if they made things better for the people because I know that uh, I was on the movie with Andy Garcia. We just wrapped last night and we were hearing about a fish market in Cuba that all of a sudden it had everything and they opened it up to the people. They had lobster, they had fish where a week before the people had nothing. And then all of a sudden they're trying to, you know, uh, placate them with little bits of things like this food where... Where was it a week before? You know, the, the government, that government has had the biggest blockade on its people. They've created second-class citizens out of their own citizens. Um, they can't go into the hotels. They're not allowed to enjoy the things that tourists can enjoy. They don't have, their pharmacies have no medicines, whereas the tourist ones have medicine. Tourist shops are packed with goods. They get paid in Cuban pesos or whatever the currency is. Yet the things are being sold for dollars. If they exchange dollars that get sent, they get they get pesos in return, but they'd have to pay dollars for the goods. So it's I don't know if anything would be salvageable from that government at all. Uh, we certainly don't want a worse situation for the Cuban people. They they've gone through hell the past 62 years and. It's just getting worse. And they're asking for freedom. They're not asking for food. They don't ask for anything else. Everybody's yelling, free, free, you know, libertad, libertad, freedom. I think happened that to, happening that to Cuba. They, in many years, they've tried to put a band-aid to fix things. This is not anymore. And you know what? I'm extremely afraid. When they get desperate, they're going to open the country. They're going to tell the families here to go and vote and pick up them. It's going to become another uh, vote leave. And that will be horrible for the people, for the United States. I think we need to act fast to be sure that you avoid that kind of problem because you know that's what they usually do just when they have problems they try to release what is happening in venezuela is horrible what happened in nicaragua when it's happening in other countries ready to you know like we see a lot of things happening in mexico now i hope people learn from this uh, this regime that has been horrible i mean some of the stories that the people will on, will hear in the future they're going to be totally uh, uh, crazy because it's, it's unexpected. I mean, it's unexpected. These kind of things that people didn't know. Now with the internet, we hit in the right the right timing, and I think this is going to be fantastic. The youth have had it. They've had it. They they don't have that romantic connection with the revolution. Fidel is no longer a big figurehead, which he would have been the first one coming out uh, because there have been attempts at protests before, which get got squashed. Fidel would come out and squash it. And the reason that we can tell as Cubans, they disguise people as civilians uh, so that the world thinks that it's the people of Cuba that are, you know, clamping down on protesters. But if you notice, they're wearing boots. 
And those boots are military, uh, you know, dress. And we noticed these things. Like when they would have a million people at, at the Plaza de la Revolución manifesting, everybody had signs, everybody had the same T-shirt. If you're in Cuba and you're at work, they give you this T-shirt, they put you on a bus, and if you refuse, you can get fired, you can get sanctioned, you can get arrested. So it looks to the world that everyone is supportive of this government when in reality they were led like sheep and they had to follow whatever they were told to do. And Cubans, we know of these things and we, I know we speak very passionately and people always thought that we were exaggerating. I have spent the past four decades of my life speaking to whoever would listen because every time I would put out an album, especially the European press at the time, that tended to believe all those lies of the Cuban government and the things that they put out, I'd be talking about my album and inevitably Cuba would rise the topic. And I would tell them exactly what was going on and what I knew was going on there. And of course they think that we're exaggerating, that that can't be true. You know, they, they don't realize that in every block there is a family or a snitch. There's a snitch in every block in Cuba that tells the government, oh, this person had food that they're not supposed to have. Or this person had 12 people over their house. Recently, um, something came out, a video actually, of one of the women that had gone protesting. And all of a sudden, there's 12 people showing up at her house wanting to talk to her. And the, the lady that's at the door is very educated, saying, no, there's no reason for you to come inside. If one of you wants to come inside and talk, but they were coming to you know, uh, pressure the woman that had been out protesting. So this is the way that they keep repression on an entire country. They are in every neighborhood with people snitching, controlling, telling, and you know, the whole educational system is meant for indoctrination. They would question the kids as to what was going on in their homes. Uh, you can only get a university degree in what they want you to study and you have to be a card carrying member of the communist party or you can't study either way, you can't study what you want. All these things, the medical system that supposedly is this fantastic thing. Tourists have access to all these things. Women that are going to give birth have to take their own sheets to the hospital. There's no anesthesia. There's no aspirin. It's crazy. You know, the main thing I'm so proud about the exile community because, you know, they've been fighting for so many years. And you know something, even in this moment, you see people in the streets in Miami. You know something, trying to just, you know, give a message of hope to Cuba, even with COVID, you know, I was so, uh, I mean, so proud to see how many, from kids all the way to, you know, like Brigada 2506, so many of these people have been fighting for so many years, and they're still fighting. You see them, they're 90 years old, 80 years old, and they're still fighting for hope. I think this moment is a historical moment. I hope, you know, we get help from a lot of countries to support, you know, something, freedom, because realistic, you know, it's about time that we make that change. I, I think the, the whole thing, like I told you, it's not time to negotiation. This is time to make a deal that they have to leave the country and let Cuban people leave the, their own country. Yeah, and not just in Miami, by the way. We thank the world for the manifestations being done all over in support of Cuban uh, people and, and this, you know, the dissidents and the San Isidro movement that started this situation months back. And they we were really appreciative of everyone that's not Cuban that has supported this cause. 
Well, given that the Cuban-American community has always been sort of in esta lucha, right, in this fight, uh, you know, against the, the communist government, what specifically, though, do you think is different about these set of protests? We've seen protests in, in Cuba before, right, in 1994, and it led to specific things that happened historically, Maria Boatlift and a bunch of other things. What specifically to you is different about this moment? You know, something internet. Internet is the worst enemy of them because everybody's seeing the reality. He's seeing the, how they hit people, how they punish their families. They're doing so many things for the first time. Internet really showing something they didn't have before. That's what is key element. I told the president, that's an, a key element. You know, we bring internet back and use top technology to show the world all these elements. That's, that's the only hope they have. They don't have any arms. They don't have anything to fight against the military. I feel so bad at night sometimes when I watch the news. So, you know, it's so hard to go to sleep thinking about these people 90 miles away. And, you know, there's so many horrible things happening. I, you know, I told that to the president and it's horrible. Listen, it's a, it's, it's a horrible feeling because in my heart, it, you know, it feels all this pain on the same time. It feels happiness. A little lie is coming. And I think the internet is going to be a key player, not, to, not for us. We know what's going on to show the world everything yeah. that happens. And by the way, it really makes me uh, hopeful to see our young people because, for example, my daughter and her girlfriend, Gemini Hernandez, have been doing taking donations and filling the phones of Cubans in Cuba that had no way to communicate with their families. And they've been sending uh, you know, messages back and videos back because the phones aren't controlled by the internet you know that that's a way where we can get around and still make sure that they have you know the ability to get the word out of what's happening and amplifying those voices of those people joanny sanchez that you know is is constantly trying to feed us information about what's happening and uh we have to keep lines of communication however we can i mean russia's well, in their big time scrambling helping cuba to scramble i'm sure any attempt that we have to break through but cubans are resourceful and they will find a way and, and let me tell you i'm Ooh. so proud of the cuban people because it's so hard to speak there because you know realistic here we can talk anything you say there they're going to go and punish you and they punish your family and i'm proud about the venezuelan people and the nicaraguan people we all getting together to send a message of hope to the world anything that happened in cuba is going to help nicaragua it's going to help definitely venezuela well, given the restrictions on communication, right, how do you two and your family and the people that are around you that are, you know, advocating on behalf of Cuba, staying in touch with what Cubans in Cuba want? Well, that's exactly why it's important to amplify those voices that we're hearing from there. For example, on our on my social media, I've tried to repost, uh, you know, people that are sending messages from Cuba. There's one that I'm getting ready to, you know, to put out now that is a Cuban that is sending these messages in hiding. We're, get, we're getting everything translated because it doesn't just help to put it out in Spanish. We understand the struggle, but we need to get it to people that speak English so that they understand what's going on. And our hands are tied uh, to whatever messages that people can get out, but we can certainly spread it. And you know something, talking to you, I mean, what you're doing is fantastic because, you know, the only reason we're doing this, we have no, no agenda whatsoever. The only agenda is to help, you know, freedom in the world, in Cuba, Venezuela, and so many other countries that could be a problem. Because, I mean, we lost a lot of our childhood, you know, to so, I was separated from my mom from 11 years, and when she passed away, 
I, you know, I look at her and say, you know, so why did you know that I have to leave my country and leave my mom? You know, I never got to see my grandfather again, all my family, because we was not allowed to go back to Cuba. I hope people don't go through the same situation that I, I went through. And Gloria went through when her father went to Bay of Peaks and then he went to Vietnam, which I, I'm very proud. And I was very proud of Gloria's mom. She always kept fighting and fighting for freedom. And I think, you know, something, because we grew up in the state, we respect people's opinion. We just want help, help from people to support, you know, this kind of thing. United States represents hope. To me, I mean, every time I see the flag, you know, we live in the best country in the whole world with the great people that, you know, always help so many people. And, you know, something, we're not asking for anything, just to support, to be sure that Cuba have the opportunity to show the world that they can, they can come back. And I think they're going to be a role model to other countries that, like, you know, freedom is the best thing that a human can have. They will. And, you know, Cuba has exported terror for decades. I only recently found out that my father, when he was in Vietnam, was in the black ops and his job was to translate the Cubans that were training the Viet Cong. So their reach is far and, you know, into a lot of situations that have caused hell for other countries as well. So when this goes down, I have no doubt that it's going to help the situation in other countries, at least the domino effect, because this kind of, of government and this kind of repressive regime, it, it, it doesn't work. You know, I know that the original revolution, they had all these, you know, ideals and things, but Fidel Castro was a megalomaniac that, you know, took power and got rid of the other two people that helped him take the power you know, and, and made the martyrs because he didn't want anybody else ruling. And it's him and his family that rule that country and have for 62 years. And uh, it's about time that, I mean, that ended. Some people say, as I said, donate. This is not about money. This is not about food. This is about freedom. I think the message is about freedom. Get the opportunity to, you know, they, to have the support global and you know, a whole coalition with the United States to help people there. I think sending a message of hope to them. Well, so Emilio, I wonder if we could pivot just a little bit and talk about the embargo and remittances. We actually have an audience question. If you'll forgive me, I'm going to read the question to you from John okay. McCullough from New York. He asks, should President Biden restore remittances, travel, and the embassy now, as he promised during the campaign? Do you want to go first? Well, I think you should go first because, you know, <laughs> it, let me tell you, this is so, sometimes they're so confused. And Cuba is not embargo. They do deal with everybody and they get, they cheap. Yeah. I, I mean, what that's you not the embargo, get. though. <laughs> okay, look, I know that a lot of people, and a lot of Cubans, by the way, because of course we're divided as the country is pretty polarized, the US, Cubans are as well. We're not monolithic as people tend to think. So what happens? Remittances. As we're trying to find ways to get remittances to the Cubans bypassing the government, all right? Because we don't want the Cubans to suffer, but we also don't want to shore up the government. They, when you send them money through their military companies, like I told you, they take the money in dollars, they give it to the, to the recipients in pesos, and then they can't buy anything. It's worthless. They can't buy anything because everything is sold in dollars. So we need to find some way to get these remittances to the Cubans bypassing the government. Uh, I, I personally, and this is my own feeling, I don't believe in separating people. I think the more that the Cubans can see people from other countries, 
the more they will be able to realize the situation they're in. Look what happened when they started seeing things through social media and the internet. It has really created this situation. Plus, you know, people going there is a way to put money into the hands of Cubans. You have neurosurgeons that are driving cabs because they'll make the equivalent of 18 to $20, uh, you know, as a doctor a month, but as a, you know, driving tourists around, they can make more money for their families. Um, I really think that I would love to see the European countries that have businesses there, like the Sol Melia the, from Spain. Uh, I think the Italians have the phone companies. They pay the U.S. government, I mean, they pay the, uh, the Cuban government in their hotels an approximate $10,000 a year for the, for the employee. The government turns around and pays them $18 to $20. These people have power in there, even though they don't own the places because the government owns everything. What about if they start paying the, at least part of that salary directly to the Cubans? Something, we need help that's, you know, from around the world. But I think that we need an embassy there because, and look what they did, of course, with the embassy, you know, I mean, this that, strange that, thing. That, but absolutely people bad. need to be able to get out. There's been Cubans that have been stuck there because there's no consular offices. You, so. you know, it's amazing but, how much hate they, they, they tell Cuban people about the United States. All the lies. I mean, states always try to, you know, get, even when President Obama went to Cuba, I met with him. I wasn't happy about his going, but he wanted to try something probably better. But I know dealing with the communists ne never will happen. I want to tell you something. Everything that happens in Cuba, they blame it to the United States. Yeah, everything. The, everything that happens is about telling about the blockade. All that is a lie. They do business with all over the world, and they, they still get a lot of things, and they do still business with the United States. Yeah. I think the, the whole blockade is, is so incredible that they use that. Like, like they blame the United States. They're going to come attack. They're going to do this. I mean, they, you know, this is the, they want to punish you. I mean, we're free. I mean, all that is a lie. It's time to move. It's yeah. time to move, and it's time to make a difference in Cuba and in the world. Well, let's. You brought up Obama, so I'm going to ask you about you know, the normalization of relations with Cuba in 2014. You you mentioned Gloria that there is no monolith when it comes to Cuban American thought about Cuba and what the future should hold. Uh, what do you think, though? You know, the community was split when Obama normalized relations, right? 50-50 is what some polls show. Um, what do you think Trump's electoral success with Cuban Americans in South Florida reveals about Cuban American politics and towards the island in particular? Well, Cuban American politics are mirroring American politics. We were split down the middle. Human beings are split down the middle in schools of thought. And it's more, I think, about political leaning than a specific you know, thing that that uh, side is going to bring forth. Um, I know that they tried opening up and then look what happened. The embassy, uh, our ambassadors and people there were attacked with that strange thing that probably was the Russians because the Cubans claimed it wasn't them, but it could have been because it's been in different parts of the world. Um, we're split just like everybody else. Yeah, you know, I the Republican Democratic thing. I wish we had other options. We're not affiliated because, you know, there's certain things I like. I go for a candidate, you know, that's it. I, I want to hear what they have to say, but, but that's why it's split. But I'm going to tell you something. I mean, every president that I've been involved, I've been involved with six different presidents. And I worked, I, I produced 46 events in the White House. They tried different things. I mean, President Trump tried a lot of great things against Cuba. Everything didn't work. President Obama tried, nothing works. 
with Nothing's the economy, work. absolutely you cannot do business. This is time yeah. to move and to, to make an action to make Cuba free. I hope the Cuban people feel that they're not alone. And you know something, I think United States definitely, they're going to play a main role to bring Cuba back in a way of hope. Listen, people in Cuba need to do it, but they need to feel the love from all the countries. And I hope United States gives that support and President Biden would be able to help. And the Senate, and the Senate, and Senate is going to make that, that thing that happened yesterday. It's so hard, you know that, to have everybody voting against Cuba, that was a major accomplishment. Against the government, yeah. The government. yeah. I mean, it's, so it's we, nothing so that anyone could do, honestly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't think... No, no, no. It's just, we're running, we're running yeah, very quickly out of time. So I just want to ask you one question about the artists in, in Cuba. I mean, both of you have built a career around Añoranza, right? And, and your Cuban identity. I'm thinking about the album Noventa Millas and, um, you know, Mi Tierra, right? Like the, the songs of longing for that homeland. I mean, what what message do you have for the artists in Cuba and, and you know, outside of Cuba as well, who are, who are trying to weigh in and engage in this debate? Like what advice would you have for them and what message would you send? I would say, estamos orgullosos de ustedes, artistas que levantaron las voces eh, que han hablado en contra de ese gobierno, que han dicho la verdad de lo que está pasando, que se han arriesgado, que han hecho huelgas de hambre. Estamos orgullosos de ustedes y los apoyamos. Estamos tratando de hacer lo que podemos. Meaning, we are proud of you. We know the risk you've taken. They've gone on hunger strikes. They've been jailed. These artists, these directors, actors, artists, poets that have said enough and that started this movement that then inspired Patria y Vida, that's become an anthem for this movement. We're proud of them. We're trying to amplify your voices. We support you. We're trying to find ways to help. Everybody feels like their hands are tied and we're just trying to do whatever we can. And if someone would say, okay, this is the way, but like I was going to tell you before, it's really ridiculous to think that there's anything anyone can do that's going to sway that government. That government has got to go. And I would exhort cualquier policía o persona en las Fuerzas Armadas de Cuba que me pueda estar escuchando. Ustedes tienen el poder. Apoyen al pueblo de Cuba, no ese gobierno. You know, some of the music that we don't and they don't in Cuba, it's not about the music. It's about the, the actual images that is coming out of Cuba that we're putting out. And that's what we did a lot of songs, you know, sending messages to the, to the people global. Well, unfortunately, that's all the time we have. Thank you both so much for speaking with me about this issue. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you very much. Thank Sorry, we Cubans, you know, we talk No, listen, thank you for doing this. <laughs> what you're doing is exactly what we need is to send the message. And thank you for your help. Thank yeah. you for, you know, any anybody who will be able to help these people. I think that, you know, it's definitely will make the whole difference, not only to the United States. Yeah, keeping it on the front burner, keeping Absolutely. those voices amplified, getting more and more information out of Cuba into the world so that the people that do have any kind of sway, the other European countries that are in there doing business and probably have a lot more pull than most of, of us exiles thank outside so of much. Cuba. Thank, thank you so much for your time. Not for doing no, that. No, 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 thank you. I, I understand the long way in this. I'm, I'm from Puerto Rico, so uh, dos alas del mismo, mismo pájaro. So I wanted to thank you, the viewer, for joining us today for Washington Post Live. You can always head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find more information about our programming and what's coming up next. I'm Marilis Hernandez with The Washington Post. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.